Nothing much, man. How are you, man? I'm good. I cannot complain. Life is good. Things are good. Family is good. Yeah. Um, how are things on at the prior household? Uh, Casa de Prior is going well. With, uh, as you are, of course, we're wrapping up the school year. Yeah. Getting ready for summer. Summer, you got the kids in summer programs? Uh, I think uh, we're going to have my daughter probably do day camp at the Y. Okay. Um, if IUN does their summer reading program, I think we're going to do the summer reading program with my son. Okay. If they Fire. don't, um, I just saw something the Y is doing track, and my son likes to run, so he'll probably full of energy. Yes, he is. So, well, let's get to it, man. Are you ready for the introduction? I'm ready for the introduction. It's all you, Big Papa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Preachers and Pinfalls podcast. What, yeah, yeah. Like, what the last couple of weeks we've had in, in the world of professional wrestling. So let me let me just say this. If I could interject real quick, I want to apologize to the fans listening. Um, Dante and I did record last week. The audio was so choppy and so bad as I, as I played it back. I just couldn't put it out. So forgive me, um, listening audience, those outside the ring that did not get a um, a show last week. That that was the reason. So I know we like to be consistent and put things out on a weekly basis. I just I just couldn't put that out, and um, I just wanted to say that. So I'm done. Oh, and that's all good because we want to put stuff out every week, but we don't want to put it out if it sucks. So it's fine. All right, so we're starting at. What you have here is double or nothing money in the bank recap. So yeah. where do you want to start? Well, let's Which do money one? in the bank. So it, so anything uh, from money in the bank that stood out. I have to remember what happened on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that should show how uneventful it was. Okay, so oh, here it is, perfect. Okay, I I, I think the general consensus is that we were because oh, you and I watched it. We were watching it. And we were talking. We were recording it. That's right. So <laughs> I, as, as soon as Dante and I hung up the phone, Brock Lesnar's music hit. Um, because we thought it was over. Um, Brock Lesnar's music hit. He runs down to the ring and he, ca- he grabs the Money in the Bank briefcase. I think myself, along with 80% of WWE fans, were pissed off at that. Um, again, why is this part-timer? Why does Vince feel that the best way to save the ratings of Raw is to bring back Brock Lesnar. A, obviously he didn't pass his drug test for the UFC. I'm going to put that out there. Um, but but I do like this Brock Party gimmick. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest, man. When I saw him come out um, the other night on Raw with the, with, the, with the briefcase, like it was a boombox and Paul Heyman dancing. I, I loved it. I loved every bit of that. So if we had to endure Money in the Bank just to get this <laughs> it's it's a great play on Brock's character, man. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, that's that. You got any comments on the Brock? Yeah, well, Brock, Brock so well, one thing I'll say is, in spite of how I uh, feel about Brock winning the Money in the Bank, that does not that didn't really shape um, how I felt about the pay per view. Because one thing, I forgot everything on the pay per view. Well, here's the thing: the, I went back and rewatched it. Oh, okay, you're a good one. You're a so, true WWE fan. Um, <laughs> but well, I, let me be specific. 
I went back and watched everything I missed because I didn't watch it from the beginning. But WWE has been consistent in, in, in one thing specifically, and that is no matter how lackluster the creative is on the weekly shows, the pay-per-views have been, I would say, the last two or three years, maybe with the exception of this year's WrestleMania, the pay-per-views have been consistently good. I think because there are different writers for the pay-per-views, if I'm not mistaken. I think they have writers for the weekday shows, and they have different writers for the pay-per-view shows. Um, I don't know. But... Somebody uh, fact-check it. Yes, please, please uh, fact-check past the ass. I, yeah, I... I've, that that's something that I that I've noticed. They they're they're really consistent in that, and this money in the bank was no different. So, um, one, of the, I was listening to Cheap Heat on uh, ESPN, was one one of the two kind of weekly recap ish re- wrestling podcasts that that I that I um, listened to. Uh, Stat guy Greg actually, I do not agree, and not a fan of Brock coming back. It's a whole bunch wrong with that. But Stat guy Greg made a really good argument, and I want to okay. give credit what credit is due. And it was a fairly simple argument, and that is, so a lot of people hated Brock. He said he liked it simply because no one was expecting. And the one thing wrestling fans, WWE fans, or both, have consistently said about WWE recently is there. There's no surprise. There's no shock. There's no, you know. There's no. <clears throat> excuse me. There's no. You know. There's no shock value. You know. We everything that happens, we see it coming. Well, nobody saw this coming. That's true. That's true. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. And that's a good argument. And and I do, I do to an extent, I agree with that. There, there wasn't this this was not one I saw coming. Um, this was not one I expected. I too well, I enjoyed Brock that Monday night, although the show as a whole was lackluster. Terrible. But the pay-per-view was really good. How, question, question Dante. Yes. Let me let's if we can, let's kind of explore that. I wanna Maybe spend five minutes, if, if you don't mind, just talking about how do you think Brock's return will impact WWE as a product overall? Because my, my, here's my general thought. Vince did it because ratings were lackluster, are lackluster on Raw. Um, he feels that Brock will be that draw. Do you think that overall this is a good thing? It's going to have a, a positive impact or... Are fans going to be more turned away? I want to hear your thoughts. I'm curious. Um, I I don't think Brock can make up for. Oh, he can't make up for a poor three hour show. So what do you do? You have the twenty four seven championship, and that's going to make everything great. If they if they book it right. No, I was being you know, sarcastic. I think the twenty four seven championships a terrible idea. Oh, let's. Oh, okay, can we? Can we? Can we dive into that a little Hold bit? Hold on, before we before you dive into <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I actually, I don't think Brock. I don't think Brock 
necessarily is back for the ratings. I think he's back to go to Saudi Arabia. Okay. Okay. I think I think that's why he's back. Um, so, well, well, well. Here's my question then: Why put him in a program? Now that you say that, thinking back to the stipulation, what happened on Monday night when Paul explained the money in the bank, the year thing to Brock, that your 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 statement makes sense. Yeah, uh, it, it does make sense. But and I, I, I guess I, I don't want to cut you off. Go ahead. So so and, I, and I'll say this one last thing. And this is this is the number one reason that I'm not really a huge fan of Brock coming back because I think everybody knows uh, he ain't cashing in and losing. No. No. So, so just everybody just kind of. Get ready for another Brock Championship run. I don't know when it's going to happen. Um, and I don't know how long they're going to let Seth run. And well, we, have, we can talk about that later because we're going to talk about Dean Ambrose. So um, mm-hmm. you want to talk? You want to? You want? You want to talk about the um, the twenty four seven championship? Give me your yeah. So. When the concept, anything with Mick Foley involved, I love. I love Mrs. Foley's baby boy. Anything. Um, I saw him live. I got a chance to hold the championship belt with his arm around my shoulder and my son at my, at my feet. One of the greatest moments of my life. So I love Mick Foley. Mankind, do love, Cactus Jack, whatever moniker you want to give him. So uh, when he came out, I automatically, I don't know what it was, what the belt was going to be, what the championship was going to be, but I already knew I liked it <laughs> because Mick was involved. Yeah. When they unveiled it, I wasn't too keen on the design, but it's a 24-7 championship belt, which is almost like the hardcore championship. I related to that, right? The hardcore championship belt from, from back in the day. To me, it doesn't have to be aesthetically pleasing. It's, it's, a, it's a gimmick slash prop. It's a it's a championship, right? It's it's belt. It's a title. You know what Vince says, it's a title. It's a title. So it, it but because of the context of it, it doesn't have to look like the Universal Championship, the the World Heavyweight Championship. It doesn't have to have the glitz and glamour of it. That's that. I love the concept of it though. I think now, only if they do it right. This is a good way to book middle card guys. If if they follow the template of what they did with the hardcore championship back in the day, um, like you were, were able to see, because back in the day in the nineties, two thousands, you had such a had a really big roster. People forget that about the Attitude Era. You had a really big roster, so the hardcore championship was kind of a way to keep those middle card players still in the limelight, giving them something to do, but yet fun, right? So it didn't take away from the the main event, right? nor did it put these guys at the bottom of the card. It kept them in the middle. So I love the fact that Bobby Roode won it. I, I, he needs something, right? Um, I wanted him to keep it a little longer. I want, them to ch- I, I want them to treat it like a championship, not too much like a gimmick, but although I enjoy what R-Truth did with it, I enjoy that back and forth. So if you, if you play it back and forth, I think it's cool. I, I, I don't want it to become a running joke, though, like, don't don't let it become a running joke. Like make like the hardcore championship did become in its latter years. If you keep it like you got to make it seem 
like it's valuable. You know, make it seem like it's somewhat important. I think you let the right guys hold on to it. I think Elias getting it is good for a little bit. I think you put it back on somebody like Bobby Roode. Like those middle card guys who just need that extra push. Um, I see nothing wrong with it. Um, and you vehemently disagree with I do. I, I do. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're, it, 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 first of all, so you said something. You said it, right. it, it reminded you of the hardcore championship. So my first question is, why not just bring back the hardcore championship? I think because it's of the, the exact it's the exact same rules. But, true, it's true. Tw- it's twenty four seven. Balls count anywhere. All you need is a referee. You don't have to go in the mid- in the squared circle and demand a match. He could be walking out of the bathroom. And you can hit him in the face with a door and pin him. It's Gaga. But listen to hey, hold on. I'm not uh, done. Okay, but let me let me respond to that and just. And then, and then you can go on your rant. Okay. As 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 Booker, because I don't want to. What Booker T said, and I'm not going to take credit for this. He said it, and I agree. But humanly, I agree. Hardcore. You're looking at where WWE is now as a company. More investors, more stock. It's it's the very very PG right now. So to bring a hardcore title with what that carried back in the day, I don't think that Vince wants to run that risk. Um, with it being with the product being so PG now, so you repackage the hardcore title. As a twenty four seven title, but, that's not response. But Fox has already said they want an edgier show, and they're and they're willing to do a, a TV fourteen product. Okay, well that's fine. So so it's so it's the it's the it's the hardcore title with Jace. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. It's lazy booking. Ah. it's lazy booking, and and that, that that's that's why I don't like it because Bobby Roode. Okay, and let me walk something back real quick. Okay, go ahead. Take your time, Peter. Take your time. Walk, walk there, the text. There's, there's one the guy. Text. There's one guy that I always and and part of it was his fault because he was injured very often. But I don't know if you know Wade Barrett's backstory, but like he has a degree in marine biology, and. He paid his way through school by being a bare-knuckle fighter. If you've ever looked at Wade Barrett's nose, you can tell it's been broken. Yeah, I've heard the story. Okay, so if you also, I don't know if you ever noticed, but he has a long knife scar on his back. From a knife fight. Well, no, because he didn't have a knife. He he had won um, probably a bit of a seedy, um, you know, unsanctioned boxing match, and it was in Hungary, I think. I think it was. I think they said it was in Budapest. And oh, well, maybe maybe he was with Black Widow in uh, in Hawkeye. He was not. He was not with Black Widow in Hawkeye. <laughs> but the guys, he won the purse, and the guys tried to rob him. Yeah. And he beat him up. The point is, how, how do you not get that guy right? Well, wait, where, where, how did we get here? Because I don't see how you get Bobby oh, okay. Roode wrong. I, I, 
you're preaching to the choir. Listen, from from I go I go back with Bobby Roode. Okay, technically I go back with Bobby Roode with TNA and Team Canada, but his great heel run started. He 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 repackaged himself. He started wearing robes in TNA. He was he was Robert Roode. It was Robert Roode Inc. He was doing the perfect plex. He was like he was like this perfect, for pun intended. He was this perfect combination of Kurt Hennig and the Million Dollar Man. It was great, and I remember watching him wrestle James Storm at Bound for Glory in one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. And I remember posting on Facebook, and it's somewhere in the ether of social media. I said then Bobby Roode could main event WrestleMania. I don't see how you got him wrong, but they got him wrong. They did. And, and it's not easy. It's not hard to get him right. And the solution for Bobby Roode isn't a 24-7 championship. The one of the things, for, for as much crap as Vince Russo gets nowadays about what he did in WCW and and everything that most fans think they know, but they have really no clue about. The one thing I really enjoyed about the Attitude Era, and I've heard Bruce, Pr- Bruce Pritchard give him credit for this, and I've heard Jim Ross give him credit for this. Vince Russo wrote stories for everyone that got TV time. So if you, if, so if you had a match on Monday Night Raw, and and one that stands out to me, uh, you talking about lower mid card guys was like this this storyline with with Al Snow and Steve Blackman. I'll never forget that. Uh, uh, Al Snow was trying to give Steve Blackman a personality. It was so entertaining. Mm. Head head head. Not, head, not head, one of those head. guys were ever gonna win a championship. Remember remember Miss uh, Mister Head or was it Mrs Head? Well he, well head head was, head, was Al head. Snow's that, that was his ECW. Head, head, head. Yeah, so, <laughs> I just remember so, that chance. Yeah, but I'm like, you know, I mean, it se- it seems as if. Well, we'll talk about that too when we talk about Danny Ambrose. But did we cover? Did we get everything we want? Did we say everything we want to say about Money in the Bank? Um, I'm going to mention the AJ Styles and Seth Rollins fight. Okay. Um, so I, you go, you go was... first on that, and I want to say a couple more things about Money in the Bank, and then we can move on to Double or Nothing. Um, you know, great two great competitors, a really good match. AJ is out right now for a little bit because of a real injury. Um, I think that was a good way for him to go out. Um, I'm glad he didn't win the belt. You know, I think it's understood it needs to stay on Seth on Seth for a little bit. But I think it was a good match. You, it, it, it could have been a little longer to me. Um, but it was it was a it wasn't a great match. I think they they should have had they they could have used a little more time to really. And then, too, I really wish they would have told a, a better story leading up to the match. Ah. Uh, um, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, it, it was a – you put those two guys in the ring, they're going to perform. It's going to be good. Uh, you know, as a fan, I would have wanted to see more time and more of a story kind of built up to that because Seth, you know, I, I think I, – I relate Seth and AJ to Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels, that match that Shawn and Chris had at WrestleMania – uh, that was nineteen. Was it nineteen? Yeah, that was a safe go. You yep. know, childhood. He mm-hmm. looked up to Chris mm-hmm. to 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 to, uh, to Shawn Michaels. 
same thing with Seth and AJ. Their styles are uh, very similar. Uh, the, the, this landscape for a great story there, WWE did not take the time to tell that story fully. So that was my only gripe about that match. Like, it could have been even greater than it was, but... That's it. But good, overall, good match. I give it an eight. Well, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dwell too much on that because you've pretty much said what I was gonna say. I, I, I thought, I thought it, it, in my opinion, is it's one of the best matches I've seen so far this year. And just FYI, if any wrestling nerds wants to know, the best match that I've seen this year, in my opinion, has to be um, Okada versus uh, Jay White. Um. And that that was the uh, the um, was it the it wasn't the G one it was the it was the U S show they did uh, when Okada won the IWGP Championship back again. That's the best match I've seen so far this year. The match was fantastic, but it it wasn't as good as it could have been for every reason that you see. So yeah, um, so a couple of things that I like I, I, both Money in the Bank matches were really good, um, and although. I wasn't a fan of, of of the Brock cash in. The men's match was great. Yeah, it was. It, Dude, it was. oh my god, it really was. It really was. It really was. Andrade seeing almost the power bomb on Finn Balor on the other. Oh my god, Finn it was, Balor. It was brutal. It was. Brutal. It was brutal. It was brutal. I don't. I don't like the fact that that Sami Zayn wasn't. Sam, that's a whole nother discussion. That's a whole nother discussion, man. Um, they they don't know what to do with Kevin or Sammy. I don't know. They're like in limbo. But, they might but, as, they um, might as well not even be back on the roster because yeah, they're not but, even being but used. I but but I tell you, I, Kofi and and Kevin Owens, man, and that that was a like if, if I ran a wrestling school, I would show both of those championship matches. Like this is how you go out, and this is how you have a match. Yeah. Not that yeah. you tell a story, uh, yeah, because it really wasn't much story. No, I mean, it wasn't. And, well, and I and I said in in our WrestleMania preview, I don't care. How, I don't care if they screw up the creative, as long as Kofi wins the championship. I'm kind of regretting that I said that now. Uh, <laughs> but um, the one thing I do like about the KO Kofi Kingston is you have heel babyface. And you can run, you can figure out a way to run KO and Kofi through the whole summer. This well, is gonna be my this is gonna be my bias. When AJ and Seth wrestle, somehow, some way, Drew McIntyre should have gotten involved. Either him or Baron Corbin. One yeah, of I agree. Because I agree. the truth, because the truth is, they've been tied, but as I've said before, for some reason, as big a heel as Drew McIntyre is, they're booking him like a baby face. Um, we had a long discussion about how I feel about Bailey and the character. But I like, I love, I, I thought that whole sequence around the SmackDown Women's Championship was fantastic. It was masterfully done. Yeah, I think they told a great story. So, there. so I, I I like the position they put Lacey Evans in. They gave Lacey an opportunity to prove that she can work, and I felt that she could work. Um, she they she worked a little bit. You know, I noticed. I think they there are a couple of talents uh, that they kind of see in NXT, and it's like, no, you don't really need an NXT run. 
You just need like an NXT tutorial to get you ready for the main roster because they did her very similar to how they did Roman Reigns. Like Roman Reigns, you got to go on YouTube and find FCW stuff if you want to see Roman. Then I think they did like the Shield thing a couple times in NXT, and that's when you saw Roman. But you didn't really see Roman on NXT television, not as much as you did Seth. You didn't really see Dean either. Seth was really the only guy that you saw a lot on NXT, and he was the first. He was the inaugural NXT champion. Uh, but but back to Lacey. So the, Lacey had a good match. I wasn't a huge fan of the finish, but I love I love Charlotte coming out and said, "Well, if you're the man, why we, let's come and do this now." Um, they did the right thing. They didn't make Becky look weak, so it was it was kind of a schmozzy finish, which you kind of didn't need because you would expect. Be- I'm I'm speaking in kayfabe now because you, you would are. expect Becky to be tired after the Lacey match. But the schmazo was pretty good. Um, and then, of course, here comes Bailey. I think what Bailey's missing, if she's going to kind of be this edgier Bailey and not underdog Bailey, I think there needs to be some changes in her look. Agreed. And I think nope. that, that, that might be what's kind of throwing me because I, I do. I think Bailey works wonderfully when she works under from underneath. Listen, she's I'm going she, to throw something. I'm going to throw something in, in there um, to your point real quick because I want you to finish. But real quick, from a marketing standpoint, you know, you know, for those that don't know, I do marketing heavy branded. That's the work that I do. Um, it's all about the color scheme. That sells. That tells a story. If you look at predominantly the WWE, mm-hmm. the, the greatest example would be Hulk Hogan. When he was when he was a super baby face, what were his colors? Yellow, red, red. yellow, brother. When he turned heel and turned to Hollywood Hogan, even after the inaugural NWO, and he did Hollywood Hogan with the electric lights, the the, the thunderbolts, whatever the lightning on across his um uh, his his outfit, they were a dark blue. So if you're gonna be a heel, you gotta have dark colors. Randy Orton, who my man crush is. Dark. You never see Randy in a bright color. You never. You Seth, don't. Seth, he, he goes back and forth because he's been a heel and he's been a babyface. It's all about the coloring. And to your point, if you want to sell ba- um, Bailey as a good heel, you have to change her color. Her look and her, the color scheme of her outfit, her hair needs to be different. You know, at least change. She needs to be a Ruby Riot almost because Ruby is the epitome of a, of a, of a heel on that woman's roster. She, yeah. she just looks the part. You Goes out with shoulder surgery, by the way. She is. I love. Yeah, I love Ruby. I love Ruby. I, I hate. A... I, I hate how they squashed her. But hey, anyway. I, Indiana girl. She is. Was it Fort Wayne or? Yeah, she's from Fort. She's from Fort Wayne. She started in South Bend. Yeah, she looks like yeah. she lives in um Black Oak. <laughs> <laughs> like you'll see her at the Luke gas station, <laughs> <laughs> getting a square, getting a black and mild. Hey, Ruby. Uh, hey, Ruby. <laughs> went to Lake Ridge. <laughs> It came out together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I agree. I, I, I don't think Bailey is going full on heel. Um, but I think she's, I think they're trying to make her an edgier baby face. Um, what, is it? What, is, what is a, what is an edgier um, baby face, man? I hate, I hate the WWE's terms though. <laughs> what they try to do. Your baby face. I I get it. I know what it is. I just hate that they think that way. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. Cause, because once again, I, I think Bailey's character can work. It can work if she works underneath. And here's the thing. On SmackDown, you've got the hot deal because you got Charlotte. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, well, let's talk. Let's go AW. Yeah. So we want to we, we want to start from the end and work back. Or uh, so. Well, I'll, I'll chime yeah. in. I'll, I'll I'll talk first. Okay. Okay. That's fine. No. No. Um, just talk. So, talk. Talk, and I'll chime in. Okay. Um, so. Let's do that one. So for anybody who um, has been off the grid, um, there's a new wrestling company. And I, and I can now say that all elite wrestling is a thing. They just had their first pay-per-view as a company. They have a, an agreement with Turner Broadcasting Systems to have a weekly television program on TNT. From what I've heard is going to either be um, Tuesday or Wednesdays. Yeah. It seems as if it's going to be on TNT. Yep. So it's a thing. Two-hour show. Two-hour show, I think, is brilliant. Um, but someone showed up at the end of the show. That Talk about it. I don't know if many people saw it coming. There was a little speculation. Uh, shout out to Peter Rosenberg. That's such a cheap heat word. But that was a little... Or, or if I go Conrad Thompson, there was a little rumor in the innuendo that uh, one Jonathan Good, wrestling fans may know him as Dean Ambrose. Formerly those known as go, Dean Ambrose. Those that go back with him like Full Flats on a Cadillac may know him as Don Moxley. Showed up and in, in very Steve Austin-like fashion, um, he beats up Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. That is a fact. Um, but of all of the things I enjoyed about um, the show, and I'll admit, I did not watch it all. Um, I, I've had Oh, I asked that question. So let's so let's just kind of recap it. Um, I like the buy-in. I like the pre-show. Pre-show was cool. Um, I'm really, really, really glad Hangman Page won. So um, I kind of started watching New Japan during the Adam Cole iteration of the Bullet Club, and during that, that was really the last real like dirty heel iteration of the Bullet Club. When Cody joined and became the leader, he and Kenny, they really became baby faces. But um, Hangman Page joined then, and as a as a worker, man, Hangman Page is true. So I'm glad he won. So of course, winning that guarantees you a future title shot. I enjoyed that. I'm going to tell you, I don't know how much of the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros that you saw. Yeah, okay, so... But if that was your introduction to Pentagon and Phoenix, it was a hell of an introduction. I've heard from several people, Cody being one of them, that I'm talking like I talk to these people personally, that if you want to see a clinic on... If you want to see how tag team match 
is done in a, in a different way, not the traditional way that we've seen it packaged in WWE. And if you also want to see people who really put value in their w in their in their tag team division, watch that match because because what was AEW's first pay per view? All in, all in. It was at, all in. At all in, their their their, their time was cut short. So Cody yeah. said, Cody said, I wanted to make sure these guys had enough time. And man, I saw some stuff that I didn't even think. There was one move that they did off the top rope that seemed physically and according to gravity, that seemed impossible. <laughs> but it seemed scientifically impossible. But it, yeah, like I, I enjoy watching them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can work. I can tell you. Three years ago, I went to War of the World at the Odeon in, I want to say it was Villa Park. It was a Ring of Honor show. And I I may be one of never really been a huge fan of the Young Bucks. The New Japan, um, it was the it was the it was the U, New Japan U.S. tournament show in Long Beach, and I saw the Bucks there. And then I want to say it was the G1 in San Francisco, and I noticed that the Bucks were really—I I don't know if it was maturity or what. But I noticed the Bucks really trying to tell more of a story in the ring. Uh, and that was probably, I think, that last one uh, in San Francisco, because I want to say that was the Bucks versus uh, the Golden Lovers. And if you don't know who the Golden Lovers is, that is the uh, Golden Star Kota Ibushi and his BFF, um, the cleaner Kenny Omega. Um, but I noticed more selling. I noticed more time being taken. It wasn't like, let me get my stuff in, and then you get your stuff in. This match, a double or nothing, somehow the Bucks and the Lucha Bros figured out how to do a lot of indie flippy, flippy, kicky stuff and selling in the same match. And it was fantastic. Now, I go back with the Lucha Bros. I've, I've watched. I watched the first two seasons, and apparently the only, well, two of the only three seasons of Lucha Underground, because apparently Lucha Underground is not coming back. Um, I, I think Netflix should pick them up, but um, that was the first time I saw Pentagon, and man, I, I love. And you already know me about face paint masks and all that stuff, like. The first time I saw Pentagon Jr., I was hooked. I'm like, I love the character. I love the persona. And the one thing I said to myself was, but I think if he goes to a bigger company, they're going to try to make him into a baby face. And I've kind of watched him in Impact, and his character is, is getting a little too big. He was dirty and vile in Lucha Underground. And, and Ray Phoenix, who's his shoot brother? So... For those who don't know, the Lucha Brothers are real brothers. Um, and Phoenix, man, he is he is such a luchador. He is like 
like Phoenix has taken the Lutra tradition from, I'm, I'm talking like El Santo, Gory Guerrero, Mil Mascaras, um, even, you know, sprinkling a little Rey Mysterio, um, add a dash of Eddie Guerrero. I mean, he's like all those guys. Can be, and I, and I love Phoenix. I, I, I mean, I look, I can watch that match every day and twice on Sunday. I'm gonna tell you another match that I really liked, and I, then then I want to, and you can chime in afterwards because then I, I just really want to say the one thing I loved about the show. Um, man, Dustin is fifty. Yeah, but man, he he got down with the boogie down. Talk about it. Talk about it. <laughs> Man, that was such. Uh, I mean, that was once again. Once again, if I, if I'm running the wrestling school, we sit down. This this is how you tell a story. This is how you tell a story. It was such like that match was old school with a lot of nuance. And the one thing, and I guess I knew it, but you know how you know something, but then you kind of realize it later. Um, Dustin has such a great brain for the business. Mm-hmm. And so does Cody. But both of them do. Um, so, the, but the one thing I liked about Double or Nothing more than anything was sometimes, even when, even when WWE has good pay-per-views, sometimes the WWE because, and, and this is what I tell people, you got to learn how to watch WWE in 2019. Because it's not a wrestling company anymore. The WWE is definitely a corporately owned billion dollar entertainment conglomerate. Is. That is what the WWE is now. It's not a professional wrestling company. It's not. But sometimes, like I, like I said, even with their good shows, they suffer from sameness. Where every match is kind of the same. And everything on Double or Nothing, and it was kind of long. It was four hours. Oh, it was long. yeah, it was long, buddy. It was long. <laughs> it was a little long. But, 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 but even, even Cody was like, Cody was like, man, all of our pay-per-views are not going to be four hours. But there was no – it didn't suffer sameness. And you see that even in the indies. I, I remember going to that, to that Ring of Honor show, and I took my wife, and I told her, I said, I'm going to yell um, uh, um, uh, uh, somersault plancha every time I see it. And literally, every match on that card, there were there was at least one suicide dive. Um, so, which, which, I found, which I found hilarious. Um, but the sameness in WWE shows often is... You see, you just see the guys playing the hits. Like when you see a Seth Rollins match, you yeah. know, you, you know you're gonna see the suicide dive. You know you're gonna see the sling blade. You might see the rip Courtney. You're gonna see, you're gonna see the the superplex into the Falcon Arrow. Um, and the only time you don't see that is like you didn't see that really at WrestleMania, primarily because he was wrestling Brock. But that's the only time you don't, you know. That's what um, the people pay for. But when every match and everyone plays the hits, 
that can be kind of draw. And that was not AEW. And I think AEW, once again, because this is a professional wrestling company, you're going to see that variety. And I think you're going to see the talent. Now, the, the one thing that I hope doesn't happen with All Elite is that all their guys just don't look the same. Like, they're all, like, six foot and 210 pounds. Hopefully, there's variety in the look of the guys. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so, here's my thing. I enjoyed the pre the, – the, the Battle Royale. Um, it was good seeing some of, the, some of the fellas come out. Tommy Dreamer. I was reminded of how, how old he is. Um, <laughs> Me too. Uh, were, were those pants a nod to Dusty Rose? Yes, the polka dots, yes. I'm like, I was like, Tommy, where's your hair, bro? <laughs> um, a, a lot of those guys that performed that night, like Hangman Page, I'm not too familiar, right? I, I would have known Neville had he been there, um, given the circumstances of why he could not perform. But like him... There's a few other guys I know. There's a handful of people that, that I recognize and know from that show. But I'm not as hip to the indies, to New Japan, as you know you are, or some of the other people that, that watch wrestling as a whole. So that, that's one kind of thing I was upset at with myself for not knowing, you know, there was some fanfare there. Like when Hangman Page won, people were legitimately happy, and so was I. But I was happy because everybody else was happy. Like, oh yeah, you know, I, I didn't, I don't know him, you know. So that was one thing that personally, that kind of one gripe that I had. But moving through the rest of the show, I thought from what I did see, tag match was phenomenal. Cody and Dustin told a great story. That blood, Dustin bled a lot. Yes, he did. Um, he as as Jr. would say, Crimson Road. You know, he was he was he was in the Crimson Bath, man, and. Booker T said something really good on, on his podcast the other day that I was listening to um, because somebody asked him, do you think it was too much blood? And, and he was like, yeah, it was a lot of blood. But given the product, like AEW isn't going to be for the eight-year-old kid. That's WWE. And you kind of alluded to this too. I think, I think AEW is going to be for the wrestling fan. So to me, man, to be honest, when I saw that blood, I got excited. Because I haven't seen blood in a wrestling match in so what has seemed like forever. Yeah, I agree. So to, so to see Dustin bleed, oh, ooh, I was like, yes. And then Cody got some of it on his hand, on his hair. I was like, yes, blood. Like, because you, when you're telling the story of wrestling, people bleed. Like, it makes sense that you're getting the hell beat out of you. You need to bleed a little bit. Um, I love the fact that Cody made this symbolic gesture with the sledgehammer that Brandy gave him <laughs> going at the throne like I love petty stuff like that you know that I'm petty I love that subtle message that he gave to WWE and the Triple H Cody even said that you know I recognize I, I don't want I'm, and I'm paraphrasing what Cody said I don't we're not trying to go to war but I recognize like okay we're the new guys on the block so this is going to be a fight and he kind of went out there and said, I'm ready for a fight. And I give him kudos for that. I, I really like that. Um, great match. Great match by those guys. The denouement, the, the finale. Great match. Kenny Omega is one of my favorite wrestlers, period. Uh, that's one guy I'm familiar with. From New Japan, from the Indies. I really like Kenny. Really like his style. I've always said my dream match is Kenny and, and, and Orton. 
I just I want to see that happen someday in the future. I don't know how. I don't know when. I want to see that. But Kenny and Chris, Chris is one of the all-time greats, put on a great match. There are some things that John Moxley did, though, when he came out. A few things I noticed, three things like, I want to touch on real quick. He was unhinged. And from the John Moxley that I've been watching, that I know about, he's an un, unhinged lunatic. He did not get a chance to be that in WWE. They had him completely honest. They had him as a goofball. So I think that he was really able to tap into the John Moxley character when he first came out. And I really appreciated that. Um, I don't know if people noticed this. But at the end, when he was beating up Kenny Omega, he did a FU on Kenny Omega off of those um, those chips. That's not, and if I'm not mistaken, that's not a regular um, Dean Ambrose or John Moxie move. That was a John Cena move. So I don't know if that was intentional or if it I'm was have, an accident. I, I missed that one. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. At the end, when he has um, Kenny Omega... They get out the ring, and him and Kenny, he DDTs Kenny onto those big chips on the ramp, on the on the on the on the entrance, and then he picks he picks Kenny up over his shoulders, and he throws Kenny off of the chips onto the platform. He did an fu. That was that was a clear fu. And my thing was, oh, is he taking a subtle shot at WWE as well, saying like I'm coming from the top, I'm coming from the top spot. I don't know how however you want to interpret it. It looked like an fu to me. That image has been ingrained in my head, and I can't get it out. Well, you you, you know, um, you you know, um, I was gonna say <laughs> um, old age. because I, I, I was looking, I was I was looking for this. Uh, I um I don't know if no I take that now I remember what I was gonna say okay there you go buddy yeah well he said it himself best as we kind of ease and segue to the um to this interview that Moxley did with with um Chris Jericho you know he he gave all his kudos to WWE and how in 2011 he drove from Philly to Tampa with his wrestling gear and all the cash in his pocket. And then after he did that, he said, well, now let's bury the company for the next two hours. Um, But before we segue, segue into that, um, what are your thoughts on the championship? I liked it. It reminded me of territorial wrestling, that belt, the look of it. Like, to me, that's what a world heavyweight championship belt should look like. Gotcha, I think that. I think that belt's hideous. I hate the Universal Championship belt. I don't like. I, I don't like. I kind of don't like the world. I, I, I love my favorite belt is the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. It looks like a championship, and I, I like this AEW title. I like it. It looks like to me, it looks like a great championship belt. Like I don't want to. I thankful. Thank God, I'm not a wrestler because I would hate to carry that thing in airports. But <laughs> it looks like what a championship belt should look like. If you want a title, it doesn't look. It doesn't look like a product. You know, you know what I'm yeah, saying? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I, just, I don't know why. I like it. I like it. I don't like it. I, 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 was like, I was like, ooh. But then I was like, ooh. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I'm with you. So, so, of course, being 
a fan uh, of the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Um, I am old enough to remember when um, Jim Crockett Promotions broke away from the NWA and Ric Flair was given the um, the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, that is my all-time favorite championship belt. Um, my second favorite, I've I've always I've always been a fan of the Intercontinental title. Yeah, I love I love the look of the Intercontinental. My the third, white, the, the white one, the the original. Yes, the white. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. like the white. I like the white one. My third, just kind of showing my age. I'm I'm a fan of the AWA World Heavyweight Championship as well. Mm-hmm. Those are my three favorites. That is um, showing your age, boy. Well, you know, you're you're, you're I'm, sixty. I'm, you're sixty. But I'm I'm not sixty. Um, you know, I am like a. I'm like a 69 Camaro. I'm not old. I'm just classic. Yeah, you're half um, a century. <laughs> but so let's let's kind of as we as we bring this thing to a close, let's uh talk a little bit about the the Jericho interview uh that that he did with with John Moxley. I was surprised that he was so open because traditionally he's been very, very guarded. I think because he was still with the company and he was trying to protect yeah. the and I was going to say, as far as I know, this is only the second podcast interview I remember him doing. I know he did Stone Cold's podcast, and that just did not go well. Um, but you mentioned something earlier about the fact that um, the lunatic fringe, it was Gaga. It was just, he was, it was foolish. Yeah. And I think you and I had talked. And I told you one of the reasons that I was not a fan of Dean Ambrose is because he's supposed to be this lunatic. Yeah, yeah. But and, and he said the exact same thing. He did. He did. Uh, what, what did you think about some of the stuff that he said about what the creative process is? Now, now granted, I didn't. I heard maybe 30 minutes worth of it. Um, so I haven't heard all of it. I am going to go back and finish it. But listening to Dean Ambrose reminded me a lot of when CM Punk did his first interview after he left and hearing about the scripts and the writers, it's creative, you know, and it's, it's that's the plaguing problem with WWE. The fact that Vince, Vincent Kennedy McMahon rewrote that script for Dean and still added what he wanted to be in there. I, I said this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, Vince McMahon will be the death creatively of WWE. And I think the, the Dean Ambrose interview talked about that, CM Punk's interview talked about that. I think mm-hmm. that there are several other WWE superstars who want to say the same thing. Like, it's, it's him. What, what Michael Hayes said it best, man, uh, on one of the greatest documentaries out there, one of the best documentaries that WWE has produced was the one about CM Punk because it was so open and it was so transparent and like you saw the good and the bad. Michael Hayes was talking about when CM Punk did the Straight Edge Society. Punk talked about how there were some things he wanted to see happen with that and, and, and how he would throw the script away when they would bring him a script and mm-hmm. he, would, he would rip it up in front of the writers. Michael Hayes said, he said, you can have these thoughts, but no matter what you say as a talent, no matter what I say, no matter what anybody says, the owner of this company has the final say and he's going to do what he feels is best. There you have it. If Vincent Kennedy McMahon thinks it's a good idea, un- it can be a terrible idea, Dante. I'm going to completely cut you off. You are correct. That was definitely an FU. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I, I just thought I because I had to I had to see it because okay, that was pretty awesome though. It was yeah, like it's subtle, right? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna be a John Moxley fan now. Yeah, I know uh, everybody is. Uh, so, so am I. But Michael Hayes said Michael Hayes said it best. Uh, like it, it it begins and ends with Vince McMahon, not Triple H, not Stephanie, not anybody else. You know, not Johnny Laurinaitis, not not you, not me. It begins and ends with Vince, and he's getting older. No, to to be honest, the the man created a world, a universe, quote quote. Right? I mm-hmm. think in his in his, in his heyday. You know, hearing stories about Vince at the poolside, riding, you know, with Michael Hayes and some and and and, and Pat Patterson and Briscoe and these other guys, like th- that's all inspiring because that they were able to produce some really good stuff during that era, during the '90s, right? But mm-hmm. Vince Vince has gotten older now. I think he's slipping. I think his point of view is skewed, and I think that it's time for him to go ahead and pass the mantle. If not, we're gonna have we're gonna continue to have disgruntled superstars, and we're gonna continue to see a foiled product, as we have been seeing over the past few weeks for Raw and SmackDown. Well, um, yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you said, which doesn't happen very often. It does not. But, I'm surprised. <laughs> but you know, I I think I think about um, he remind he reminds me of two football owners. Mm. The first one he reminds me of, he reminds me of Al Davis. Al Davis owned the Raiders. He he founded the Raiders. He coached the Raiders. Um, he was responsible. I'm going to give you a little history lesson on pro football, although I do not watch the pro game anymore. Al Davis founded the AFL in the 60s. That rivaled, that, that rivaled the NFL. And when when the AFL finally folded, he brokered the deal to have certain. So there are certain teams in the NFL now, which had it not been for Al Davis, they would not be a part of the NFL. Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the now Tennessee Titans, used to be the Houston Oilers, um, the Oakland Raiders, just as a couple of examples. Um, he was he was ahead of his time. He was an innovator. He understood television before people really understood television. Um, but when Al Davis got old and the game started to pass him by, he still wanted to be part of the process because he figured he built it. And since he built it, he should have a say in it. Mm. And there's another owner who's like that now. That's Jerry Jones, who owns the Dallas Cowboys. I remember an interview, and, and I want to say it was either um, Lisa Edelson. I don't remember who did it. But they asked point blank. They said, will you ever give up your role in, in, as a part of the organization? And I'm paraphrasing, but in short... Jerry Jones said, I bought it. I paid for the stadium. <laughs> and as long as those things are true, I'm going to have a very large voice in the outcome um, of this organization. Now, he's gotten, uh, he's gotten better. He's gotten better. 
But I agree. I think so. So one thing that he does that Moxley does, he really outlines the process of of basically not not so much. I know he creative process, but when I heard it, I heard more of the process, the chain of command and communication. Mm-hmm. And it's too micromanaged. Yeah, yeah. And, and I hope that with AEW kind of segueing into like our, our kind of last question for the night, what do you want AEW to be? I don't want to be, I don't want AEW to be too loose. Because that was one of the issues in WCW. Yeah. But they have to figure out a way. And I get it. World Wrestling Entertainment is a publicly traded, multi-billion dollar entertainment conglomerate. It is not a professional wrestling company. But I think that... And the one thing I've tried to keep track of, even more so than the talent that they've signed... I've really tried to keep track of um, the guys they've signed backstage. Mm, yep, yep. And I noticed yep. they, they so so they got Jim Ross, Dean Malenko, B. A. And they got Dean Malenko, and they got Arn Anderson, Billy Gunn. Uh, they got Billy Gunn, and I, and I'm and I'm like, and, and Dustin is gonna. I mean, he's gonna be active, but he's also um, gonna do some backstage stuff too. I'm like, okay, good. So, so they've hired guys who who've been on both sides of the Monday Night War. Now, the Monday Night War for me that was my high school and college days. So, which means that was probably like your elementary, middle school days. That is accurate. Um, hey, you want to know something real quick? I wore, I wore a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt um, to school. And they, <laughs> they, they sent me. It wasn't even one that, that had profanity in it. It was like. I don't know what the shirt was. I think it just said Stone Cold Steve Austin, and they sent me to the principal's office. I think I got wow. suspended. I think I got suspended for it. Like for a shirt? Was that was that the was that the first wrestling shirt you wore to school? Uh, yeah, that was the first wrestling shirt and the last. <laughs> so so, I thought, so I'll, I'll date myself. My very first wrestling T shirt was a Roddy Piper T shirt. The Piper. I was pants. like, Piper's I was like pants. six. It 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 was the it was the Roddy Piper uh, rock and wrestling cartoon version. Oh my gosh, this is the NBA final. Maybe they all coming back from concessions. I'm sorry, I'm watching game one of the finals and I'm watching them play in a half empty stadium. It seems like maybe they coming back from concessions. Might be halftime because because the, the third quarter just started. It just for for anybody who cares, Toronto's up by ten. But you know, I back back to what I what I was saying. I don't. I don't want AEW to be too loosely managed. So I brought that up because I do have a question. Loosey goosey. Um, What was the, how many stars during the Monday Night War, how many stars did WCW create? Oh, um, I'm going to just name off some people and you correct me because I could be wrong. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Sting. That's wrong. Okay. Because um, he, 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 was, he was a star before the Monday Night Wars. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you say... During that era. Did you say WCW? Okay, rephrase your yeah, question. Yeah, WCW. Rephrase your question. Because I, maybe I misheard it. How many stars did WCW create during the Monday Night Wars? I will say none. 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 They created one. Who? 
Bill Goldberg. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. You know who they? You know how many stars WWE created? Thousands. Stone Cold, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, Kane, The Rock. They repackaged The Undertaker, The Rock, um, Rikishi. Yeah, yes, Rikishi sold a hell of a lot of t-shirts. Rikishi. Yeah, but Scotty, Scotty, too hotty. Oh my gosh, cool. Edging, Edging Christian, too cool. The Hardy Boys, Scotty, too hotty. The, the Dudleys became the point is the worm, <laughs> Kurt Angle, Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> the, the, the point the point is, um, if AEW is gonna be successful, and this will be the last thing I said about AEW. You can close. You can close the show. Um, and I, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have a hand me the book moment here. So Hangman Page one. I think it'll be smart if Chris Jericho is AEW's first champion because he is an established star. It seems like they want to book Hangman Page as a babyface, which I think is smart because he looks like a babyface. He 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 looks like a he looks like a short Barry Windham from like like the late '80s. He's like he looks like kind of just this blonde haired tough Texan. Although I don't think Hangman Page is from Texas. But that's not the point. You have Hangman Page chase Chris Jericho for like eight months. I know it's 2019, so you can't chase him for a year. You can't do that anymore. And and have those things get Hangman Page over. And then he finally beats Chris Jericho. Because it would shock me if... um. If Cody ever booked himself to be the champion, yeah, it was shocking shocked, too. I'd be shocked if he ever wins the championship because he doesn't have to. If if um, he, if he, I'll, I'll wait, I'll wait. Go ahead. But um, I I like a lot of the guys that they signed. Some guys I'm more familiar with than others. Like I'm really familiar with the Lucha Bros. Um, I'm sort of familiar with like MJF and Joey Janela. Um, of course, I'm familiar with Hangman Page. Um, of course, I'm familiar with, with Dustin Rhodes and Kenny Omega and John Moxley. So I'm curious to see how well they make guys because like MJF and Joey Janela. So they're from like, I know Joey's done some work at MLW, but Joey Janela has been pretty much one of the hotter indie guys in the last couple of years. He's done some work at MLW, which is major league wrestling. Um, uh, he's done some stuff from pro wrestling gorilla. So I'm kind of curious to see um, what they do with him because he's a unique character. I'm also interested. I'm also interested to see how they deal with guys from the WWE who are in the WWE who are looking at it like, yeah, that's cool. I want to be a part of that because you don't want to be the company where guys from WWE like you don't you don't want it to be the WWE graveyard. Mm-hmm. No. Because like, yeah, yeah. Like because I know I know um like um Gallows and Anderson, I think by all by all accounts, I think they want to go back to Japan. I do too. From what I've heard. Yeah. Um but like the revival 
Like, there's been some rumblings about the revival possibly want to go to AEW. Like, um, it's like okay, exactly. So, how do you manage that? That's I think that's going to be as important as anything because I know, just like WWE has it. Well, technically, Vince isn't the owner; the shareholders are the owner. But you have a billionaire running the show in WWE. You have a billionaire running the show in AEW. But the WWE is still the big dog on the block. They are. And you don't want your company to get the, to have this impression that, oh, well, this is where you go when you can't hack it in WWE. That's what you don't want. Because that's kind of what started to happen in WCW. Because unlike WWE, because I'm going to tell you, for a while... There were a lot of guys, like the Attitude Era, Steve Austin, Triple H, uh, The Undertaker, uh, Gang Grill for a cup of coffee, Kane, <laughs> Stacey Keebler, Goldust, a.k.a. Edison Rhodes. There, trust me, there were a lot of guys. Oh, I'm sorry. Terror, um, Terror Tower. <laughs> uh, Terror Rising. Oh, was it? Oh, no, bad. No, no, Terror Rising. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he got that name from Killer Kowalski. Terrible but the point right. is, Terrible. but the point is, somehow WWE took those guys from WCW and got them over um, before they had really had a run. Even the Big Show, yeah. But WCW kind of on the reverse. They took established guys. They took Randy Savage. They took Hogan. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting how that shake out, how that shakes out. So um so tell everybody where they can find you, my friend. Um you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, all of the social media outlets. Dante, well, you spell my name D E Z. D, if I'm going to do it like I do when I'm talking to a bill collector. D as in dog, E as in everybody, Z as in zebra, I as in ice, M as in more, O as in oh boy, N as in never, A-L-I-C-E-A. I'm the only one on there. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all of that stuff. Dante, before you tell them where to find you, um, I do want to say this. I kind of want to give, maybe we can try this out the next few shows, like us giving some final thoughts, right? what we kind of took away and this is kind of what I took away from today's show watching Cody and what he's created has inspired me Dante you know I'm an entrepreneur innovator I'm a a dreamer and um, to see the rejection that this guy had um, to see the, the, the lemons that he was given and to make lemonade you know life is about partnerships connecting with the right people but ultimately getting with people who can help manifest your vision Watching, watching all in, not all in, watching double or nothing really made me proud. I don't, I don't even know Cody Rhodes personally, but I was just happy for him. And, but you know, what, what we're, we're preachers, um, what God does for one thing, he can do for somebody else. The Absolutely. same he did for Cody, man. So whatever dreams you guys got out there, whatever dreams you're chasing, don't let one closed door dictate your future. For one, for, for every closed door, there's several others that are lying open. You just got to find them. And if I can say this in my American dream, that's the Rose <laughs> voice. That's the Rose. That's the Rose. It's all about being somebody. 
Cody's so much like his dad. He is. That list. He, he looks like his mom. Because Dustin looks like Dustin looks like Dusty. Dustin looks like Goldberg. No, I, <laughs> no, I'm, not, no I'm sorry. Not, not Goldberg. He looks like Goldust. He, he like, looks like, like Goldust. If, if, you, if, you see, if you see an old picture of Dusty Rhodes from like the early 80s, like Dustin Rhodes looks like his dad. Cody looks like his mom. But, he, but he's got his dad. Because really... When, when I think about what Cody's done with all elite wrestling and doing the all and all this stuff, it's really what Dusty did in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember listening to an interview with Ric Flair. Like, he made, he, before WCW, and of course, you know, CNN and Tetra and all this stuff, they're based in Atlanta. But before wrestling was hot in Georgia, Dusty Rhodes went to Atlanta and set Atlanta on fire. Just like he went to Florida and set Florida on fire. And Cody's doing the same thing. Well, you can find me. Wait, um, t- you, you have another podcast, though. Tell the people. I, they I may want to check it out, man. Let them know where they get their podcast. I, let, let them know what it's about. Well, well okay. So I do have another podcast. Um, if there are any fans of uh, college football along with being professional wrestling fans, you can catch me on the Triple Option Podcast. And you can find the Triple Option pa- Podcast on Anchor, on Spotify, on Apple, on Google, on Breaker, on pretty much any place podcast. That's where you can find the Triple Option Podcast. Um, you can also find me on your Twitter machine at Pastor DDP. Um, you can find us at Preachers and Pinfalls at gmail.com and on Facebook slash Preachers and Pinfalls. I have been lacking on the Facebook page, Pastor Daz, but I'm picking the ball back up tomorrow. So tell us your thoughts on AEW. Drop us an email. Tell, tell us your thoughts on what you thought of the championship belt. Email us. Let us know. Tell us what you think um, about the sledgehammer and the throne and Cody starting this new company with the cons. Um, and what you think is going to happen with the WWE. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Pritchards and Pinfalls at gmail.com. Um, as always, big shout out to Hall of Famer Special Delivery Zone, Special Delivery Jones. Who is that? Uh, uh, so now you want me to explain it. Um, okay, n- let's, let's save it for another podcast. Okay, I will. I'm, just, I'm always curious. It, it, it is a special shout out to, to the great S.D. Jones. Now WWE Hall of Famer S.D. Jones. But if all heart, my heart, hearts and minds are clear, um, congregants, brothers and sisters of the squared circle, that is the benediction until next week. We'll see you.